Good evening, LCM. Good evening. Tonight is Wednesday, July 21st, 2021. For those who are taking notes in our midst, which is probably about 95% of you guys, actually, I was going to say it how I want to say it 99.9% of you guys, you guys are Bible scholars. The title of our message tonight is Exposed. Somebody say Exposed. Yeah. In light of being exposed, you guys turn to Numbers 8. Say exposed when you get there. In Numbers 8, picking up in verse 5, it says this. The Lord said to Moses, take the Levites from among the other Israelites, and make them ceremonially clean. To purify them, do this. Sprinkle the water of cleansing on them. Then have them shave their whole bodies and wash their clothes. Somebody say whole bodies. Whole bodies. He said everything. Every crevice. Every part. So that they can purify themselves. Even the eyebrows? Even the eyebrows. They got to go. Man, could you imagine walking around with no eyebrows? That's the least of my worries. <laughs> when we're looking at Numbers 8, we're seeing something here that is beautiful. Our pastors have already given us an extraordinary word from Sunday about what it looks like to walk in this process. Not fearing the razor. Say, don't fear the razor. Don't fear the razor. We haven't left the razor yet. Oh, no. We're talking In case you about thought you was going to hear something else, we're talking about the razor. When we're looking at Numbers 8, we see here that for the Levites, to have their body shaved, they had to be completely uncovered, and those areas that are uncovered being completely vulnerable. You guys tracking with that? Yeah. How much of their body had to be shaved? All. The whole body. I'm talking about fully vulnerable. And in that position of being fully vulnerable, I'm sure it felt like a complete relinquishing of their own will and control. Right? If somebody says, hey, we're going to shave your whole body, what part of control do you feel in that moment? What part of your will do you feel in that moment? Abuse. <laughs> None. Abuse. And in that relinquishing of their own control, their own will, let's just be honest. It must feel like death. Yeah. Like, there's, there's a suffering taking place. I'm being shaved in areas where I don't want to be shaved, areas that I want to be covered. Hey, bro, not, not right there. That's my sensitive part right there. It's sensitive. <laughs> it must feel like death, but in reality, what is being produced inside of them is something of the divine nature. Come on. Yeah. Amen. And so when we're looking at Numbers 8, this process of how God chose his priesthood and how he chose to purify them is the same process of how we ourselves are going to be purified. See, we're just going over Numbers 8 as an interaction of, of what we see, our personal engagement, our personal wrestling with God's word. And we can see clearly from Numbers 8 and this progression, as God is speaking to the Levites to do this, we can see clearly that there's a razor-sharp process by which God sets apart the Levites, and it's really the same process that he has for every single man of God and every single woman of God. That's how we're made priests. With that being said, I want to point you guys to something. 
In verse 5, do you notice it says, take them? And later on, it goes to say, make them. Take them. Make them. Right? This is really the starting process of them being made into priests. Somebody say process. This is not some easy-baked concoction of a priest. This is not a, a nine-month course with three classes a week. This is a process that the Levites are getting to go through. And guess what? This is a process that we get to go through. This is where it starts. And we want to we wanna, uh, awaken ourselves to the idea and to the reality that priests aren't uh, easy-baked. Priests are forged. Priests are hammered on. Priests are, are, are beat in the winds and in the wave. But what, come, what comes out is something that is divine. Because it has been of divine making. And if anybody puts their hand in the pot while that, while that priest is being forged, it becomes marred. It becomes uh, something that you have, to, you have to start over. God is perfect in his processes. He is perfect in his forging of his priests. And newsflash, telling you to end from the beginning. He is perfect in the way that he deals with us, and we're going to learn, we're going to grow, we're going to be uh, matured to accept that process and learn to love it. Amen? In fact, look at what Hebrews 13 says about this. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews 13, verse 20. Say, um, exposed when you get there. Is everybody there? Okay, Hebrews 13, 20 says this. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Just like we can see in the book of Numbers, God is the one that initiated this process. And when we look in Hebrews, he is the one that works in us what is pleasing to him. Yeah. Now, we can all universally agree, yes, God is the one that works in us what is pleasing to him. To make us more like him. To be of the divine nature. But then we have to wrestle with something. We have to ask ourselves and have sober judgment. Knowing what we know, knowing the end goal of what his working in us produces, why do we hesitate? Why do we fear the razor? Why, why is there trepidation to, to step into those moments of being completely vulnerable? See, we are, learning, we are learning in our own lives to give ourselves over to the razor because of what it actually produces. And when we fear those moments, when we are afraid of, of, of the razor process itself, it really highlights something inside of us. But by God's spirit, in the name of Jesus, we're going to break down barriers. We're going to break down these barriers of hostility. We're going to break down this lack of transparency that keeps us from, from being completely transformed. That keeps us from being just like Jesus. That keeps us from being made into the priest like we can see in Numbers. And by the conviction of God's word, we are in every respect are going to mature and invite the razor into our lives. Say, preach to me, Abimbola. I am preaching to you and I'm preaching to myself. Because this is the hope that we have. That in order for us to be made priest, it is necessary for the razor to be applied. 
It is impossible to be made a priest. It is impossible to work in the kingdom of God. It is impossible to be of the divine nature and not have the razor process applied to your life. It's absolutely necessary. We are continually uh, relearning how to read the word of God, how to engage with the word of God. And as we were reading through numbers, we saw something just a little bit differently. Uh, a lot of times we use words like it must happen. Uh, it, it has to happen. What we're learning to do, what our hearts are being renovated to do is say, no, this is necessary. Yeah. This, is, this is a joy. This is something that is actually bringing life. And it doesn't matter how I feel. It literally does not matter how I feel because I know what it will produce because my father has already shown us. Something about being a priest. It's not that they, they had, to, had to present themselves to be a priest. It's the very presenting themselves that makes them a priest. The razor is what actually makes a priest. It's not that, oh, I want to be a priest. I want to be a priest in my home. I want to be a, a priest in my ministry covenant. So I need to uh, add the razor to my life. No, the razor, the razor of God's word and the razor of the circumstances that he is bringing me into is the very thing that makes me a priest, that makes me a man of God. It is inseparable. So we're going to, like like Andrew and Megan are doing right now, we're going to debauch ourselves to the word of God. And what I mean by that is we're going to unite to what the word says about this process and not how we feel about it. Feelings separate us. But the covenants that God has given us, the word that he's given us, these things debauch us to his standard. Turn to John 3. Say there when you're there. (laughs) Starting in verse 19. Got a verdict for you. A judgment. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been through God. Now, we, we very recently uh, were reminded that this word, this verse is not about, uh, you know, people out in the world don't want to come to church because they'll be exposed. It may be partly that, but this verse is to you and this verse is to me. It says that everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that what he actually is, what he's actually done might be exposed. There are things that are truly common to all mankind. If there's anything that's common, this is one of them. Fear of being exposed for what you actually are. This is our personal wrestlings with the word that we got Sunday. Why do we, why do we fear the razor when we know it's good for us? When we know what it's bringing. We know it's bringing the refinement that, it, that, it, that we need. There is a fear of exposure. There's a fear that, man, what I actually am, I might have to look at it in, in, in the mirror. Let's not go to somebody else first. You might not want to look at yourself in the mirror sometimes to see what is actually there. And then next to that, you don't want other people to see it either. Oh, I find something. Let me go and hide it. I'm not talking about makeup. I ain't going there. This is the first barrier that must be broken down. 
And I'm telling you, we can do that tonight. This barrier that keeps us from actually being exposed to the razor, being exposed to the refinement of God's word, we can break that down tonight. What keeps us from inviting this razor is the fact that we don't want to have our actual state shown. But here's the, here's, the, here's the answer. If we can have faith that what comes into the light will be exposed and be transformed, yeah. actually have the faith that says, no, this is where I actually am. This is how I actually feel. This is actually what is going on. But I trust God's word to transform me. We will see restoration. Amen. We learned about that, ain't we, Brandon? Yeah. We will see restoration when we face it, when we, when we look headlong into it, when we say, yeah, my eyebrows are going to be shaved. The sensitive areas are going to be shaved. But what's going to come out is going to be a priest. We can run headlong into that. Yeah. Before a priest is made, it is necessary. I say necessary that the razor is applied. This is extraordinary. While thinking about this, Ephesians 4, and you guys can turn there in verse 22, it says this, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on, your new, put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. So let's just expound on this a little bit. Starts off saying that you were taught. LCM, are you guys taught in this church? I mean, the amount of teaching that we get, man, it would put a Chinese buffet to shame. Sundays and Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays and Saturdays and every other day in between and sermons. I mean, the foundation, we, we have so much teaching. We have been taught very well. We are well discipled in this church. Amen? Amen. We've been given extraordinary men of God to lead us. And that is a beautiful thing. And, the, and, and people recognize it. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing from Red. I'm hearing what his coworkers are saying about his life and the transformation that's taking place. He's a man that is learning not to fear the razor. He is, he's stepping into the refinement of God's word and refinement of the counsel of God's people. And he's being made more and more like a priest. You can see the tangible fruit in his life. The world can see it. It's because of what God is doing in this place. And there's really something to consider. We can look at the men of God who are leading this body. We can see that the, the word that they preach is what they're living in their lives, right? But haven't we seen in this body when it's actually time to face the razor, when it's actually time to engage the razor and expose those parts of yourself that are vulnerable that people just seem to fly away. They just kind of disappear. They just jump off the train, right? We see this. Think about John 6. Jesus is speaking, unless you drink my blood and unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me. It says many of his disciples turned away. And as I'm, as I'm engaging with this, we can see this in these men's lives and we're called to live in the exact same way. They have demonstrated the razor process. They've demonstrated by being up here and being fully transparent with us. These are the leaders that God has given us. We have been taught this way of life. And what the teaching that we can see in Ephesians 4 is to put off 
the former way. Yeah. It's to put off the things that are nasty. It's to be able to say, hey, brother, this is what I really am. I am, I am exposing myself. There is nothing to hide. And when you think about those priests from number eight, Numbers 8, these men are chosen to be God's priest. And the Lord is saying, in my presence, everything must be laid bare. This is, this is how we become priests. We can't have anything hiding. We can't have any extra baggage. And God calls us to be transparent, to die to that old nature that, that shows up from time to time. And we've been given a model from our leaders of how they apply the razor to their lives. Man, just be honest with them. When they're preaching, you feel like they're preaching to you, right? Yeah. Absolutely, me too. And they're also preaching out, out of their experience and what God is doing inside of them. Because it's what we need. See, we're learning how to separate ourselves from that old nature and to put on the new nature that is Christ himself. And what happens on the other side of obedience is that when we are made priest, when we've engaged that, that, razor, that razor-like process, that refinement, the discipleship, the accountability, the transparency, it's exactly what God has called us from the very beginning. You have been clothed with Christ. Put off that, whole na- that old nature and put on Christ. This is what we're actually called to. Now, I know when, when Bim started to share that, y'all thought that he was talking about the, the, the mind kind of teaching. Like, man, we're learning a lot. That's on the surface. But what you're learning from these men of God is how to die to a old nature, how to put on Christ continually, consistently, and that is what he's called to. And I'm going to need y'all to do something, do something with me. Take a breath. Good. Y'all, y'all been to therapy or something. Now, I'm, I'm looking at you. I'm looking at my family. I can tell we have been engaging with the razor this week. We have been applying the razor, and man, it's starting to be some, it's uncomfortable. May even be a few nicks, a few cuts, in sensitive places. But this, this very thing is what we were taught. This is the way of life that we've been handed down. You were taught to put off the old nature and put on the new, and that is what we are, we are learning how to do. Speaking of that, turn to Zechariah 3. We're getting used to being, being vulnerable, being exposed so that we might be priests to God. Zechariah 3, starting in verse 1. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you is this man not a burnt is this man not a burning stick snatched from the fire now joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel the angel said to those who were standing before him take off his filthy clothes then he said to joshua see i have taken away your sin and i will put rich garments on you now this high priest To be honest, he shouldn't have been there. He shouldn't have been at a place where he had on filthy clothes, right? Your Bible students, you know uh, what what this Joshua was was being corrected about. 
And if not, go research it. That's not what we're going to talk about tonight. What we do want to talk about is, man, Joshua got corrected. Man, he was, he was standing before the Lord. Satan was accusing him. Wow. I don't want to be there. But what did it say? Take off his filthy clothes. I've taken away your sin. And I'm putting rich garments on you. This is our personal engagement. There are things that we, that we are learning to take off. That when the razor is applied and you're shaving, you may even feel naked. It's vulnerable. It's, it's exposing. But this is the very thing that makes a priest. Because God clothes you. The same goes with Joshua and the same goes with us. When you're at a place where you must be shaven, where there's something that needs to be taken off, you can fight to be weak and say, oh, I'd rather keep on my filthy clothes. I don't want to be exposed. But you don't want to do that. You can, but you don't want to. This is LCM. We got better things planned. We are putting on the rich garments of righteousness. And it's only one way to do that. We got to be vulnerable. We got to be exposed. Something has to be taken off. God is purifying his bride. Jesus is purifying his bride. And he's starting from the very top all the way down to the bottom. He's starting from the high priest down to to the, the, the little child. That is what we have to learn to to desire. The razor process does not feel good. We're preaching out of our own experience. It doesn't feel good. It's not comforting. But is it? It's what God is using to actually put on the righteous deeds on his children. We got to trust our father. We got to trust that, Lord, what you are doing, what you are doing in me, what you are exposing in me, what you are exposing to my brother. That is what will be our righteousness, not what I have to present. We're not going to fight to be weak. We're going to be exposed and we're going to be transformed. Say exposed and transformed. Yeah, this is this is incredible because as I'm, I'm engaging with Zechariah three, Zechariah is standing there before the Lord. And you guys know the word. Satan is the father of lies. And it says Satan is there, you know, he is, he's accusing him. And those moments when you have an opportunity to be vulnerable, right? There's this, this trepidation, like, should I, should I say this? Should I be transparent? Like, it's coming to mind, but I don't know how he's going to take it. Or she's, and there's all this mental gymnastics, gymnastics going on in your mind, all these lies of like, hey, if you, if you say this, man, what about your image? If you say this, how would they look at you? If you say this, man, all these different things that are really lies, and what we can learn from Joshua here is even with Satan accusing him, he still stood in God's presence because he allowed himself to relinquish control of his own life and say, Lord, here I am. Lord, I'm not hiding anything. I have filthy clothes on. He relinquished the control of his life and what it actually produced inside of him. It might have felt like death in his flesh, 
But what it produced inside of him was righteous deeds. What it produced inside of him was the divine nature. God purified him as a priest and put on righteous garments. God did this for Zechariah, but he's been doing this for a long time. Go to the book of Genesis. Go to Genesis chapter 22, and we're going to see this process and how it plays out. Get your shitty. Okay. We get to Genesis 22, verse 6. It says this. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went along, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Verse 9, when they reached the place God had told him, told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son. Say, bound his son. Bound his son. Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. We know the story of Abraham. Abraham has a promise from God. God promised him a son, and that son right now is what God is asking him to offer up. The promised seed that the, the nation, the Messiah, is it, the, the lineage of Messiah uh, hinges on, God is saying, go lay down your son. Go sacrifice your son. Abraham is finding himself in a position where he's, he is getting ready to be shaved. God made a promise. You will have a son. You're barren. Your, your wife's womb is dead, but I am going to give you a son. That son comes about, and now God says, hey, go sacrifice your son. Put yourself in the story. Put, your, put yourself in Abraham's shoes. Don't you feel vulnerable in, in this moment? Don't you, don't you feel like, wow, I, I'm getting shaved. Everything is being uncovered. My, 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 my generation is on the line. Abraham feels uncovered. He feels vulnerable. But it wasn't just him going through this. When we're engaging in this passage, we can see this in Abraham, but what about Isaac in the story? When we, we see here in verse 7, it says, Isaac spoke up. Now, the, the proper view of, of Genesis 22 when Isaac is along with his father, don't, don't think of him as some little kid. He is a grown Man, he's not a child. And he can clearly deduce that there's fire, there's wood, there's two-thirds of the items that we need to make the sacrifice, but there is no lamb. Where is the lamb going to come from? And that's what he's asking his father. I'm just trying to imagine this as a fly on the wall in the story. It says that Abraham bound his son. Forgive me, but isn't Abraham like 100 years old? Like, what, what, is, what does that look like for him to bound his son? Like, did he, did he force him? Did he wrestle him? Did he tackle him, tackle him? And they just wrapped him a rope and then laid him on the altar? I can't, I can't imagine Abraham trying to fight his son to get on the altar. Ben, I can't imagine that. But when you talked about somebody being wrestled down, yeah. being, being bound, being constricted while they're being prepared for an offering, uh, I don't know about you, but as I'm engaging with it, that's been me more than I'd like to admit. God is presenting opportunities for me to be vulnerable, 
for me to be uh, shorn, be shaved. And uh, I'm learning from Pastor Wade. And it's like, man, he's having to wrestle me down into these situations. He's almost having to hem me in to get me to the place where I actually need to be. Because you're Bible scholars and you know what this means. You know what's about to happen here. But he didn't. And we don't know what is going to happen from what God is doing in our lives right now. So we can leave it at Abraham's feet and talk about Abraham and Isaac. But what about you? What about me? You like Abraham. You got a promise from God. Something that seems impossible, but you know God said, hey, this is what's going to happen. But it's taking some time. And then he says, hey, I actually want you to move further away from that. Like, that building, I actually want you to move further away from that, but you know God said it. Lord, I'm feeling like I'm being bound. Is this you? This is the process that we all are going through and have to go through. It seems like the promise is dying. That promise is being offered up, being made vulnerable. But God is doing something beautiful in that. Are you like Isaac? The one that's being laid on the altar. You're being stretched. It's the inverse of the stretch marks that are on Pastor Matt. You being stretched. And he being stretched because of you. What about it? It's funny, I know. But man, I'm being stretched. Father, do I have to? What about, what about, what about? Let's see what happens as we continue on in the story. Yeah, as I'm thinking about what he's saying, when the pastors preach that message, covenant calling out to you, and we can see the, the progression in Leviticus, and God doesn't deal with sin to about the third step. He's looking for the man and woman who draws to him. Now, we know our Father is good. He does whatever is pleasing to him to work into us his character. But he shouldn't have to force us to, to, to obey his will. He shouldn't have to force us into a situation. We, as children of God, as sons of God, who were slaves, and he set us free through the blood of his son, should have that desire to say, Lord, I want to be a living sacrifice for you. And we can see here with Isaac, he's not fighting his father. His father's now wrestling him to put him on the altar. Isaac here is putting himself in a vulnerable situation. Not because he knows how it plays out. He clearly asked, there's wood, there's, there's, there's fire, where's the lamb? And yet something inside of him says, Lord, I'm going to do whatever is necessary to bring about your will. Even if it costs me my own life. I am the sacrifice. That's the type of, that's the attitude that we must have. I am the sacrifice. And when Linton was talking about the promise that God gives you, I think about when he gave me a promise of a wife. I was so sure of it. He gave me a dream, and it has such a conviction of the Spirit of God and the Word of God, and I knew for a fact this was going to happen. And yet I, I could feel God telling me as time progressed, as year one passed by and year two passed by, and I felt further and f- further away from that promise and being able to lay that down. But God, you said this is going to happen. What about my calling? What about the generations? What about the nations? All these things are flooding my mind. I'm being shaved. I'm being exposed. I, I feel like my calling is, 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 is losing. It's is is flying out of my hand. I'm losing grasp of it. I'm losing control of, the, of my will. There's a self-preservation there that I don't even realize. God promised it, but I have a self-preservation of the promise. 
And God is saying, lay it down. And I feel like I'm dying in the process. But the reality is life is actually life is being formed inside of me and I'm actually being made a priest. That's what we're called to. That's what Abraham is going through now. He's laying down his son and Isaac is like, I'm the sacrifice. They are both being made into priests. They embraced the razor process. For Isaac, he settled. It was going to be a physical death. He was going to die. He had that in his heart. And he was not just granted life as a result. We kept reading past verse 10. We know that God stopped Abraham. We know the story. But it wasn't just life that Isaac received. It wasn't just the promise that Abraham received. We're seeing the divine nature being produced inside of these men. We can see Abraham as the father of many nations. We can see Isaac, who was strong, who was the man of conviction. And these men's names were forever tied to Yahweh God. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. For them to, for them to be tied to God's name, the razor had to be applied in their lives. This is the process of how priests are being purified, and it is the same process that our good father is bringing us through. LCM, there's a message in this for us tonight. If you would present yourself to be exposed, to be shaven, to be uncovered in those areas, and if you lay everything bare before the Lord in full transparency, in full transparency of your pastors, in full transparency of, of your, your, your covenant partners, and be vulnerable, be seen for what you really are, and give yourself fully to the razor process of that refinement, Amen. you will become everything that is promised in Christ. Amen. It is a guarantee that this is actually going to happen. God did this for Abraham. He did this for Isaac, and he also did this for the prophets as well. He's doing it for the prophets, but we're family. So we can tell you he's doing it for us. I can look at Bim's life. And I was there for the razor-like moments. I may have been the one with the razor sometimes. I may have had to catch his back, and he may have had to catch mine. And those things felt like death, whether it's transparency with the brother, whether it's actually having to, to deal with issues, whether it's something that we're just being faithless about. The razor-like process of being vulnerable and exposing those things to God's word and exposing those things to men of God, it's not just something that, hey, this, you know, we, we have to do this. It is actually what is making us priests. Amen. The very things that I've watched my brother walk through is what has made him a priest. Amen. Dealing with family. Yeah. Having convictions about work. The very things that, man, they were uncomfortable. They're vulnerable. Lord, I don't know. Those are the very things that has made this man who he is. And we got so much farther to go. Talking about dealing with family, our favorite subject. Turn to 1 Samuel 12. Say exposed when you get there. Somebody about to get exposed. Samuel said to all Israel, I have listened to everything you said to me and have set a king over you. Now you have a king as your leader. As for me, I am old and gray. My sons are here with you. I have been your leader from my youth until this day. Here I stand. Samuel is standing in the midst of the family of God, in the midst of Israel. And there have been some requests that he, that he hadn't liked, but God is working in it. And Samuel is standing here, and he's, he's presenting himself. Here I stand. 
testify against me in the presence of the Lord and his anointed. Whose oxen have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? From whose hand have I accepted a bribe to make me shut my eyes? If I have done any of these, I will make it right. Now, you can read that and say, like, man, Samuel is really handing it to him. Uh, He's backhanding him. But pashatly, I'm reading the scripture for what he says. He says, if I have done any of these, I will make it right. Samuel is presenting himself to the family of God for correction. He is the prophet of Israel. He anoints the king. God speaks to him. And he is making himself vulnerable to the people of God. You know, if you want to have your whole body shaved, you're going to have to uncover those uncomfortable areas that feel vulnerable. That vulnerability is going to feel like a complete relinquishing of your own will or control. It might even feel like death, but what it actually produces is life. And we see that here in Samuel. Somebody could have came up and said something, and they probably would have been lying. Scripture says that nobody does. So you, you know what happens there. But he is still presenting himself. And if Samuel, the prophet of Israel, is presenting himself for the shearing, presenting himself to be vulnerable, presenting himself to be refined by the Lord and by his people, how much more us? How much more is it necessary that we present ourselves to our brothers, that we present ourselves to our leaders? It's necessary. It actually produces something divine in us. What I love about this is Samuel's the one that called the meeting. Do you go to the pastors or do the pastors come to you? Samuel calls the meeting because he has nothing to hide. He calls the meeting because if, if there's something, if in his heart of hearts he has nothing to hide, but his heart is deceived, he is allowing himself to be in the council of God's people and say, hey, if there's anything that I have done, I will make these things right. That is the epitome of facing the razor. That is what it's like to have his divine nature working inside of you. And Samuel understood this. First Samuel says that God did not allow any of his words to fall to the ground. And he could have had a big head. He could have grown and swelled up in pride. But here's a man in walking humility saying, hey, I am relinquishing control of my life. I've pastored you in this entire nation. And I am submitting myself before you and before God. This is the type of attitude and the type of walk that we must demonstrate. Look at first, look at Psalm 139. Speaking of Samuel, when you get to verse 23, say exposed. It says this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is a prayer of David, and he's crying out to the Lord and said, Lord, search me. Not not search my brother, not search my boss, not search my neighbor. Father, search me and know my heart. Test me. He's inviting the razor process. He's saying, God, you know everything. And I'm saying, Lord, search me first. Lord, apply the word to me first. See if there's any offensive way inside of me. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've sat with my brother, 
And we're, we're working things out. And I'm saying, hey, uh, honestly, in my heart, my conscience is clear. And there have been many times I had to come back and repent and say, yeah, my conscience was clear and my heart was deceived. <laughs> and, and that's what Paul says. He says, my conscience is clear, but it doesn't mean that I'm not guilty. It, does, it doesn't mean that I'm innocent. We have to be able to face that process. It's, it's funny that we're talking about this because this sermon is birthed out of the razor process from last night. This is what God is doing inside of us, and we love it. And David knows the character of his father. And he's saying, Lord, you are the king of kings. You are the creator, and I want you to search me because I understand that the razor process that I face of being completely shaven, relinquishing control, uh, how I want to defend myself in this moment is going to produce the priesthood that you've always desired. We know in the book of John that when Jesus is speaking, he talks about how the Holy Spirit is going to bring to remembrance all, thing, to remembrance all things. He's going to reveal all things, right? We know this. And we know that when we're asking the Lord to search our hearts, first and primary, he, he's going to speak to us through his word. This is Hebrews 4. It's a double-edged sword, right? Divides soul and spirit and joint and marrow, and it discerns the attitudes of our hearts. He, he can speak to us in dreams and visions. He would give us his word. You know how else he does it? Through our brothers. Look at Proverbs 27, 17. It says this. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You have to ask yourself, why does Solomon say it and phrase it in this way? He could have said anything else after as iron sharpens iron. Why did he choose to say, so one man sharpens another? It's no different when we think about it from Numbers 8. They had to present themselves, the Levites. They had errors in their lives that they could not see, and they had to lay everything on bare to have their brothers shave them. Now, if you had two knives in your hand, could you, sh- could you sharpen knives if they're 12 inches apart? No. What needs to happen to sharpen a knife? Proximity, contact. It's the exact same way in the body of Christ. In order to be sharpened, in order to be sharpened in your discernment, in order to be sharpened in what God is calling you to in in, in discipleship, you have to be in proximity. That's that's what we're living right now, living on Fuerte. We're in proximity so we can be sharpened. And that sharpening is happening every single day. Think like a 7-Eleven, 24 hours. It's happening. And we're loving, we're, we're learning to love the process. I sat with Pastor Matt the other day, and it's like, here I am again, bro. Sharpen me. And God is faithful to do it again and again and again and again. No Christian can grow in isolation. No Christian can can just show up on the scene and be the man of God that God has called him to be. You need to be sharpened. You need your brothers. You need your pastors. You need your elders. You need to embrace it. Let a righteous man strike me. It is oil to my head. It is a kindness It is a kindness to me. Paired that with Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Kindness. When this correction coming into your life, it should produce the gift of the Spirit inside of you. Kindness. This is what we're called to. God is causing us to be in proximity. He's doing it with moves. He's doing it in all different ways, and it's causing us to grow. When we allow ourselves, our whole bodies to be shaved, to uncover all those areas that we don't want anybody else to see. 
you're completely vulnerable and it feels like you're, you're relinquishing control of your life. And you are. And what it produces inside of you in your flesh is death. Can we all agree? It's yeah. death. But what it produces inside your spirit is life. This is how we become priests. All right. Now, everything that we're talking about, y'all know. We, we know that. Y'all know it. You've read it. Some of y'all got this scripture like, it's a, it's a t-shirt, it's a quilt. I don't know what y'all got in your house. Y'all got something with iron sharpening iron, especially the guy's house. Yeah. You know that. But when you go to actually be sharpened, like I've gone to be sharpened, you actually start to tense up. Like, uh, should I, when can I, um, you playing ju like jump rope with a conversation, like when should I hop in and be transparent? Like, uh, is, is now a good time? Maybe it's just me. Nope. We know this. We know what the scripture says. We know that, man, let a righteous man strike me. It is like it's a kindness. But we don't feel that way. And what we're doing right now is we're cutting away the ways that we feel to get to the truth of God. That says, hey, if I need to press in and get sharpened, if I need a good old smack in the noggin, if that's what it takes to produce righteousness, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm setting that conviction now before I actually come to that situation that I have to do it. Come on. We're setting your conviction now. Say thank you. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships that we suffered in the province of Asia. As we were studying this, uh, we started to uh, engage with the first century interpretation. And we're realizing that Paul is writing this after it's happened. Uh, none of the people that he's writing to were there, apparently, because he wouldn't have had the right to them. Why does he feel the need to actually walk through and tell them, hey, I don't, want, I don't want you to be confused about who I am. I don't want you to be confused about what this life is. This life is not pretty. And I am not some Superman. We faced hardships. We suffered. And he's getting ready to tell them about what happened as a result of that. But Paul, first and foremost, exposed himself to the dangers, to the the Christian commendations of what it looked like to be obedient to God no matter what. And he was also exposing himself in front of his brothers. About the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability, our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. What it's going to look like for us to become priest, what it has looked like for us to become priest, is that we've had to present ourselves to some, to some great pressure. Yep. We're having to present ourselves to more and more great pressure, more and more vulnerability, more and more of getting to the, the, the limits of what I can do. Yep. Man, Lord, I'm, this is about all I have. This, this is all I got, Lord. And because... We're presenting that vulnerability because we are stretching out and asking the Lord, Lord, refine me. 
Lord, cheer me, shave me through my brother. It is actually bringing about a strength that we don't have, but we still see the strength. It's like, man, where is this coming from? Where is this, this strength, where is this ability coming from? Newsflash, not me. It is the relying on God. And what it looks like to rely on God is to submit to his process. What it looks like to trust God is to submit to the, the, the refinement, to submit to the transformation, to bring things out into the light. Because you trust that he will transform it and that he will strengthen you. That is what this looks like. That is what we're being called to. We're going to have to lose control of our lives. We're gonna, it, it's going to feel like death. It's going to feel like we're literally dying. But it is what brings about righteousness, so it is what is necessary for us to grow. Paul could have written, just, just track with me, he could have said this. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia and then skipped on to something else. But is that what we do when somebody says, hey, brother, how was your day? Oh, uh, good, good. And we skip over the transparency. We skip over exposing ourselves. We skip over actually being vulnerable in that moment. And Paul does this because he wants them to understand the reality of the kingdom. You are going to face situations where you feel like you are dying. And he said here, far beyond our ability to endure. He doesn't say, yeah, we felt, we felt, we faced some hardships. And man, I, I crushed that giant. And God came through him and it was glorious. He said, no, bro, I, 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 in my heart, I felt the sentence of death. I looked at the situation. And I said, I am going to die. He is being honest with them so they can see for themselves this is the reality of the kingdom. And even in the midst of that, look how God comes through. Can you, be a, can you imagine reading this from the Apostle Paul and not feel strengthened? Do you look down on him for being transparent? No. Neither, do you love him more? Neither will anyone look down on you for growing your transparency and being vulnerable in those areas where you need to be shaved. It might feel like you're losing your life. Everything is, you're losing the grip of your control. But what is actually produced inside of you is life in the divine nature. You are actually being made a priest. Revelation 7. Let's turn there. Say exposed when you get there. It says this. Then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. In Revelation 7, we see a beautiful picture of saints who have undergone the refinement process, that razor process. They embraced it. And as they came out of it, as they allowed their lives to be fully exposed, as they lost control of their own grip, of their will, and whatever it is that they're holding on to, God made them priests. And John is here seeing the outcome of their lives. And he can see, he says, they have made their, their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. This is what it's like to be made a priest. It's suffering. It's the many hardships that we are going to enter the kingdom of God. It's a narrow, pressing way, and that is what we're called to. And we need to look at it and rejoice. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. 
That's what we're called to do. And we can see here in Revelation, Revelation 7, a beautiful picture of this taking place. These saints have walked in the same footsteps of being made into a priest just like Jesus. Philippians 3, verse 8. So there when you're there. What is more? I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Paul didn't just lose his life to lose it. There was a purpose. There was something behind it, and there was something that was driving him. You're not going to be able to, uh, to do this in your own strength. We've told you that you have to present yourselves, and you do. Our job is to die. Our job is to, to turn our eyes away from the things that should be lost so we can find the things that should be gained. Paul was motivated, motivated by knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. And because of that, in comparison with that, with that being the very thing that he focused on, everything in between that was rubbish. Psalm 119.37 says, turn my eyes from worthless things, but preserve my life according to your word. This is what was happening in Paul's lives. And I want to encourage this body. This is what's happening in this church. Don't have to make it up. It's not like I'm preaching at somebody's funeral that I don't know. We live life together. I'm seeing, I'm seeing us lose our lives. I'm seeing you be vulnerable in ways that you haven't been vulnerable. I'm seeing the Lord expose things that haven't been exposed. And it's producing something in this body. And that itself is beautiful because I see Paul in you. And I want to see Paul in me. To lose everything. That is worthless. And when I'm talking about worthless things, I'm talking about the desire to want to hold on to some kind of image. I'm talking about the desire to want to hold on to control, control of a job, control of a relationship, control of whatever. We want to know what it means to lose worthless things, to be vulnerable, to be exposed. If it means that we get to know Christ in a more real way, in a genuine way. I want to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship in sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. What keeps us? from pressing into the writer. Keeps us from, from getting the refinement that we need. It is a fear of death. It is a fear of, man, I am dying. I am losing control. I am losing my grip. But as a child of God, we're in somebody's hands who is stronger than us. And being lost in his grip is okay. Being submitted to his process to whatever he wants to work into me, that is okay because I know who my God is. Is that okay with you? Yeah. Do you want to know him? Yeah. We're going to have to get lost. Yeah. 
We're going to have to be vulnerable. We're going to have to be shared in different ways, in new ways, in exposing ways. But it is what is going to produce the character of Christ in us. Earlier we read Hebrews 13, and we're just going to throw it on the screen so you guys can see this. Hebrews 13, 20. It says, May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him. Through Jesus Christ, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. When we first read this passage, the, the focus was how God works into us what is pleasing to him. But you catch something here in Hebrews 13. It says, it is through Jesus that this must be done. It's because Jesus is the model. He is the standard. He is the goal for which the Father is, is aiming us at. The Lord works his divine nature inside of us so that we can be exactly like his son. There's no righteous, not one except the perfect son. Yeah. And he's working inside of us to produce what his son is. With that being said, go to Exodus chapter 12. Exposed. We're approaching the close here. So we want to just highlight something that, that has been taught to us. We've been taught well. In Exodus 12, God is laying down uh, parameters. He's laying down the, the, the ways in which he wants his people to carry out the Passover. And he's telling them that the family must choose an animal, choose a, a lamb or a, a sheep or a goat. And it must be without defect. And it's to come into their homes. They're to examine it, take care of it. And then they'll slaughter it and put its blood on the post of the door. We want to tell you in in John 18, Jesus is that Passover lamb, and he's presenting himself to the high priest, to the, the entire uh, community, to the leadership. You're not going to turn there. I'm, I'm going to read it to you. He says, I've spoken openly the word. I've always taught in the synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. Jesus said this, and one of the officials nearby him struck him. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? If I said something wrong, testify to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why do you strike me? Jesus is their Passover lamb. And we see him presenting himself here for examination in John 18. And we know that he was found to be righteous, yet he was crucified. He did that so that we would know the process, the process by which we become priests like him. Come on. We present ourselves to whatever the Lord lays before us. A lost man or a brother, we present ourselves to the refinement that he is wanting to bring us through so that he can produce his Christ-like nature in us. And in John 15, we talk about the, the, the vine that he is. And he's saying that, that I'm the vine, you're the branches. Remain in me and you will bear much fruit. My father proves every branch in the vine that does not bear fruit. We have to be pruned. We have to be vulnerable. We have, we have to be shorn. Because it is what produces life in us. What Isaac did in Genesis 22, being vulnerable, laying down his life, laying down control, that produced life. That produced the shadow and type of Messiah. 
what Jesus did here in John, that produced life. That produced life and Messiah. But what about us? What about you? What are you going to have to stand up and, and present yourself for? Present yourself to your brothers. Present yourself to your pastors. Present yourself to the refinement that God wants to bring. To more stretching, more weight, more pruning. The goal is always life. Turn to Hebrews 2, verse 14. We've been talking about the barriers that keep us from pressing into the razor. We've been exposing them. I want to promise you this. It's a promise in Scripture. The fear of death, the fear of dying, whether it be physically or you just feel like you're dying. Man, I really don't want to be transparent. I really don't want to go to work today. I really don't want to uh, continue this pace of life, whatever it is. You were set free from that fear. You were set free to live unto a life that is abounding in the sufferings of Christ, that you might abound in the character of Christ. In verse 14, it says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Church, by the spirit of God and by the word of God, we do not have to fear the death that comes with the razor because that death actually produces life. We can have that tonight. Stand up with us. Talked about a lot, said a lot. And here's the point. We need refinement. We need the razor. We need to mature in Christ, and there's only one way to do that. That is to press into the vulnerability, into the things that we cannot yet do. But your father wants you to know something along the way. You're going to have to die. You're not set free from dying, but what you are set free from is the fear of dying. Because I have a greater promise for you, something that is bringing about life. If we have been set free from the fear of death, then something like we can see in Romans 5 should rise up inside of us. In Romans 5, 1, it says this, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. The call tonight is to be free from the fear of death, to be free from the fear of that razor process that is the refinement that is required, and to rejoice in it, to rejoice in the suffering that are ours in Christ because we understand what it produces inside of us. It produces a priesthood. Before we pray, ask yourself, have I exposed myself completely? Have I allowed myself to be shaven the way that I'm called to be shaven? 
Have I uncovered those areas that make me feel vulnerable? Ask yourself these things. Are you losing control of your life right now? Can you feel it? That is a good sign. That's a part of embracing the razor. That relinquishing of your control of your life feels like death. But you've been free from the fear of death. And what it produces inside of you is life. This process is how priests are made. And we're called to be made priests. Father, we thank you for tonight. Lord, we thank you that you're a good father. And that, Lord, you yourself initiated this process. Lord, you've called us to be exactly like your son. Lord, you've called us to be priests with him, along him. Father, we're asking here and now that, Lord, we hold nothing back. That, Lord, we present ourselves like Jesus as a, spot, as a lamb before you, Lord, to be examined. Lord, to, to reveal those areas, Lord, where we, we want to hide. We, we want to, to cower. And we say, Lord, shave us. Lord, examine us. Lord, search us and, and show us the anxious things in our own hearts. That, Lord, we may lose control of our life because it belongs to you. That you may get the glory out of our lives and you get the priesthood that you desire in the name of Jesus.